The following episode is brought to you by Darren Katzka, Devious Pop-Tart, Elizabeth Clark, Irene Viorito, Laura Pickren, Nathan Stuller, Charles Compton, Natasha Rallerson, David Scrams, Edvarth Arnoff, Jerry Thunes, Mark Stanley, Rebecca Gauman, and Shelby Johnson, as well as all of our generous patrons. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Eberron Renewed, an actual play podcast set in the Eberron campaign setting, where we play in the Genesis stuff. And now it's Eberron Reviewed time, where we talk about, in this case, just the last two episodes. My name's Jeff. I'm Philip. I'm Randy. And I'm Eric. I don't think I've ever had us introduce ourselves at the same point in this podcast. Yeah, so this was a very short arc. For those of you that have are not in the Discord, you may not know that Gamer Nation Con is coming up, so we're scheduling around that as well, and also have an opportunity to record in person next weekend. So we thought, let's do a review and start a fresh arc while we're all together. So that's what we're doing. So this comes right after the fight with the Mind Flayer that we let run off into the city. Which is probably fine. It sure doesn't get it's worse, fine. does it? Does it, guys? Uh, he went and opened up a bakery. <laughs> and I was trying to think of an illithid bakery pun, but I'm simply not quick enough. Some of those brains or craniums. El- Elder Bran. Elder Bran. Ooh, Elder Grains. Those are both. <laughs> Elder I like Elder Grains. Yep. Both, yep. Huh. Elder well, Grain that- is more of an illithid cereal, to be fair. Yeah. So <laughs> what's important is we got there. Cereal. Hilo's. <laughs> brain (laughs) (laughs) it's turning into a mush yeah but we think what we need to do is immediately try that spell again and (laughs) reynard remembers he has invisibility it works this time except for it doesn't work on Aerith. you came up philip very quickly with a workaround for why might Aerith not be invisible and be needing to go into this building and thought of that that jumpsuit pretty quickly or work coveralls Uh, have you already considered that i had i I actually thought of it while we were talking to Jerome, but the talk with Jerome didn't go super well. And so I didn't really feel like we were in a, can I borrow your old uniform? (laughs) Yeah, this was not a favor moment. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't anticipate how reluctant Jerome's aid would be. So I didn't want to push that. I didn't feel like we had the space to push that much so i had yes i had that thought and when the spell didn't i just what if we did yeah make force it to happen there's nothing wrong with that yeah (laughs) so Ares puts on the jumpsuit or is wearing the i keep saying jumpsuit coveralls i guess is a more appropriate term jumpsuit makes me think of paratroopers and we go in 
And there's a mm-hmm. moment where in Eric and I's home game, the last game that we played, one of the players said, I think we would be better served if we discuss what we're going to do before we go and do things. And that really rang true to me when I re-listened to that episode today. Because <laughs> normally we're okay. We're actually decent about at least laying out a couple options. And we just were like, I don't know, open the door, let's see what happens. And it wasn't great. In- up to it and including the fact that Eris forgot her boots don't lace up. <laughs> yeah. There was just a lot of, I don't mind this. There was a lot of, we had to, what we had done about that issue in the moment. The heiress couldn't walk in with the Fletcher. So where's the Fletcher? Eris is going to kneel down and pretend to tie her boots. Oh, wait, her boots. Don't. Just stupid little things like that. Mm-hmm. We just kind of had to retcon an explanation for. And th- you ju- you got to give it to him. Eric was very kind about letting us be like, oh, Hob had the Fletcher. So she doesn't look menacing with a weapon and just let us do right. it. So L- did listen, it bite us because- later? Oh, yeah. <laughs> be- because like I try to do this intentionally as a D de- because that encourages you all to not belabor the point before you go and do things. Because if I'm the type of DM that's going to ding you for every little thing you didn't think of, it's going to create this environment of, we have to think of every little thing or else we're going to, it's going to be bad. So like hand waving stuff, I think is like a good way to mitigate players over discussing every little thing. But that's just my way of doing it. I think that increases everyone's enjoyment, listeners, players, and GM. So that's, that is fair. Yeah. So we do mention as we go in that Hob is holding the Fletcher and that becomes important. And it's fine. So the next, the next little bit with what Eris was doing with the goggles and looping or not looping, but patching in the the camera feed or what do we call it? We don't say camera, whatever. Scrying stones. Seeing stones, scrying stones, something. Yeah. We've never really... We've never really established a specific in-world term for security monitoring mm-hmm. devices, uh, and I don't, I don't know if there's like a specific D and D spell that would mimic what we're doing. So it's hard. Yeah, to... I think that's why scrying just became a thing, yeah. and it makes sense that there wouldn't be a defi- like we say security cams, video cameras, like security system. Like it's yeah, I could see in universe it being scrying stone, seeing stone, just calling them stones, whatever. So yeah, I as I was listening back to it today, and in the moment I was thinking it too. Uh, it, it's rare that Hob is not useful. Because you guys have allowed me to kind of play the face some and talk a lot, and obviously in battle. But anytime Philip has Eris do anything marginally techy or magic y or anything, I'm just like, I guess I'm looking around. I can't even pick anything <laughs> up to help her because I'm supposed to be invisible right now. <laughs> it is fun to listen to, but I always feel useless. <laughs> but it's great. So remind me, even though I did just listen, it doesn't really come back much into play that little move just simply because of the way that we, we obviously didn't know how Eric had designed things or what he was planning on having them do. Yeah. So once we opened that door and all heck done broke loose, it was like, I think all no, heck she done can do. broke loose before we opened that door. <laughs> Fair enough. As we tried to open that door, we fully forgot that Jerome very clearly told us more than once that there would be traps everywhere. We also forgot that we were playing a tabletop role-playing game and we were trying to open a door we weren't supposed to go through <laughs> and should have checked Let's it for open it. That was genuinely a different, like, I was fighting the impulse to remind you. I was like, nah, 
I feel like I did my due diligence. I feel like I told them that there would be traps. I just oh, need to let yes. them do it. Yeah, like, no doubt. Did. You were a million <laughs> and, percent in the right. Doesn't yeah. mean we were happy about it. <laughs> and it did not even enter my brain at all. It just wasn't there. Yeah. Until it happened. And then it was like, then it oh, was. crap. He did tell us there were traps there. 100%. Yeah. 100% told us. What an awful fight to start with a wound deficit. Oh my gosh, yes. It's gracious. We disarm the trap. Eris disarms the trap. And then we go in. And then the heck continues to be broken, breaking. As what, was there, Were there a dozen? Warforged? I think that was about right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a dozen. They weren't all, they didn't all rush at us because some of them were doing their jobs with the machine. But as soon as the door, I say us, Eris, as soon as the doors open, um, they bum rush at Eris. Unfortunately, we just lost Randy. So the three of us will soldier on. This is like vintage Eberron reviewed. So where were we? We were with, oh man, who can remember? The do- there was a dozen Warforged. Attacking. Yeah, yeah, attacking yeah, There Eris were a dozen anyway. Warforged. And that is when I thought, huh, I'm invisible and I'm supposed to be the sponge. Let's see what happens. But I did end up taking damage. So Eris opens the door. Everyone sees. Milo immediately decides, not Milo, the group says Milo needs to get to the machine. Uh, especially once he realizes that he can do is just the facts about it and really understand some stuff. I personally had forgotten what his heroic ability was just because it's, I don't know, it. It's less punchy than the rest of ours, I think, mm-hmm. maybe. But when he said that, I was like, oh, this is good. And as the fight goes... Um, Jeff, I will give you $10 if you can tell me what Trevor's heroic ability is. I was going to say, I have. I was, still, I was just <laughs> trying to think. I have no idea what Reynard's heroic ability is. Yeah, I was talking about people that use them. No, I think... I No, I don't know what Reynard's heroic ability list. is. I wonder if I can guess. It doesn't have anything to do with his changing, does it? With his what? No. no, that's just a thing he has. His changing form. Oh, no, that was just a thing in his backstory. He wanted to play everything. Yeah. All right, Philip's looking it up. Or looking to see if he can figure it out. This will be fun. Also, I'm worth more than $10, Eric. Come on. <laughs> I was just concerned that you might just, for some reason, have it in your back pocket and then overextend myself. Because <laughs> of all the detailed notes and meticulous attention that I pay. Yep. You are the primary note taker in our home game. That is to wild. That is not the way that anybody success. should live their life. <laughs> have notes i just lost that one set last session that you lost all your notes <laughs> is lost it connected is... no what is it, eric is it it's influential oh. it's the one where he gets to remove dice on charm checks ah uh, okay oh he'd have to attempt to be charming okay i'm on board now <laughs> <laughs> talk a lot of trash on my friend who's not here but that's fine He's Miss Comedy Queen, so you know you can dunk. On yeah, him. hey, let's throw that out there. One of the one of the things that happened since the last time we recorded is Trevor traveled to, to Florida and won the title of Miss National Miss Comedy Queen. Trevor is the nation's funniest drag performer. It would appear so good for him, and we're all very proud of yeah. him. Yeah, yep. We we had nothing to do with his success, so I don't know if we're allowed to be proud. Uh, we are. I did all of the audio for his his. Oh, that's right, you did. Thank you very much. That's right. Who was not thanked in the Facebook post that he did? A bunch of horse hockey. (laughs) Hey, Randy. Hey, Randy's back. Just saying. Can you hear Randy? I'm sorry. Well, I'm Randy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, he's just. (laughs) See you next time. He's just giving us sound bites to insert. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is hilarious. For everyone curious, Randy still could not hear us, which is why he, he left the call. And he re- decided to rejoin the call and is now just talking and now telling us bye. So, bye, Randy. Oh, my goodness. That was very funny. <laughs> I don't have... Once Slaughter shows up is when things go off the rails. So basically, this episode Boy. ends with... Was there a despair rolled? I know you flipped two story points. Was that just all that it took? To- Slaughter has a talent called Dramatic Entrance, where I flip mm-hmm. two story points, and they just get to make a dramatic entrance at any point in an encounter. So, And it was time to end the episode, and that was a good yep. button. <laughs> so, yeah, so Slaughter... I think that's also been- a talent that a player character can take also. just Yeah, I think so. I don't remember what the yes, effect I've- of it for a player character is, because it's different, because... Obviously, you it, wouldn't be entering you, the scene. I think you summon an NPC because you That's used it, it when we did the Greek myth yeah. mythological heroes that yeah, Sam yeah, Stewart yeah. ran for us at Gamer Nation Con. Yeah, that was oh cool. yeah, yeah. I probably I got to sit on like the last twenty minutes of that game, so I probably that was so see fun. that happen. But I did explode two triumphs or three triumphs in a row, which was pretty great. Oh man, it, that was the, that was such a cool part of it. The exploding triumphs that was so fun. That did make mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Quick tip, anybody out there who plays Genesis, give a shot with Exploding Triumphs. It was a blast when it hit. Yeah. yeah. Blast. Exploding Despairs um, would be interesting. Nah, I don't think that's something we need to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like a... We're going to rewind this whole life six seconds and make sure that never entered your head. <laughs> Good news, everyone. Exploding Triumphs is on the table. And also... <laughs> period. End of story. Have an episode break, and when we come back in, we're still in the fight, but Slaughter is here now. And... Is this the first time? No, it was in the last episode where we see that these Warforged have some unique modifications to them. Yeah. They're like T-8000s or whatever the Terminator is in Terminator 2. Yeah, Uh, because it wasn't just that they... T-1000. It wasn't just that they had spikes. It was that they could make... They could form spikes. They could change their... Like a malleable form to him. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which, I mean would be interesting to know if they were built that way or modified that way. Don't know who we'd ask, but you know, somebody that's a member of house Kenneth, two people. He loves us too. Give (laughs) us no coveralls. Arancis. She might know. Arancis might know, but as interesting as that was, what goes on to happen to slaughter is far more interesting. Oh boy. Um, I listened to this episode while I was in standstill traffic and kind of, Worried about what harrowing thing I was about to see because the standstill traffic was for so long. So I'll be honest, I was distracted. But the fight was, it was mostly them attacking Eris. Eventually, I made a hit so they knew I was vaguely where I was and started trying to attack me despite being invisible. My and Reynard stayed invisible and untouched, which was <laughs> fine because they're, they're also our softest boys. Like, I doesn't Eris have more hit points than both of them? I think she does because... She of, probably does. Her brawn yeah. is higher than both of them. And I think Reynard has like practically no soak. Or as low as he he wears fancy clothes. As low as one can get in Genesis with some clothing on, I think is what he has. (laughs) And against his own wishes, he would like to be naked Reynard, I'm sure. At least (laughs) sometimes. At all times. Yeah. (laughs) And Um, then I think a despair is what brought the other Warforged team in with Ash and his cronies. Yes. That was, I think, a despair. That was, yes, because it was a despair in use. It's Ash's cronies, but Ash is not present. And Eric said, we heard him say, the defenses are down, let's go, let's go. Yeah, because Eris knocked out the sure did. barrier. Mm-hmm. I sure did. And Jeff, yeah, I believe your words were, I don't know what this is or how it works, but I'm going to break it. 
And uh, I gonna say, oh, I had a lapse of remembering what we were supposed to be doing, and I was like, then let's just at this point, we can't do what we want to do. Let's just let them do it. And Phil goes, they're gonna blow up part of the city. I was like, yes. <laughs> I just needed to leave because I was scared. And then the hob stuff starts happening. When I say that, I mean that I got a whole bunch. I, Hobbs' body started I going have, through some changes, which is fine and natural. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so I've talked about it before, but I built Hob to be to blow through strain and advantage to have huge, huge hit hits when it works out. And for some reason, I've gotten great successes with no advantage and great advantages with no success every single time. I took eight strain. Got eight advantage and missed the shot. Okay, good. Let's no. Back and I'm not to complaining. Down, down to Kyber, where you one shotted the big heavy of that encounter because you rolled success and advantage and dealt like yes. sixty eight wounds in one hit. <laughs> Let's we Eric. Forget. If I said that, it would not contribute to my point. Also, I had forgotten about it. I recall <laughs> it now, and it was awesome. <laughs> Obviously, I don't expect the dice to go my way every or any time. But I reserve the right to complain a bit when they don't. That's what this game is. <laughs> and fun with friends or something. Um, yeah. But uh, so with those eight advantage and after some hemming and hawing, some of which got cut, some of which is in the episode. Did you suggest it, Eric? Be like, hey, the, maybe some of this magic gets on you and you start being able to do these crazy transformations as well. I think, honestly, Philip might have floated the it idea out there that the magic craziness hits Hob, or I don't know. I remember reaffirming the idea, but I don't think I came up with it. Because I was going to get Eris up off the floor, and then I got very selfish when somebody said a cool idea for me. And it was. The first thing that happened was I became a chameleon. It was amazing. <laughs> a little soft feet. Did you say the name of that lizard again? Chameleon. Okay. Chameleon? Sorry, chameleonaire. <laughs> and a couple of things. But we're going to the end of the episode, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you start mutating, and then Ran- Ran- not Randy Milo gets over there, and where the machine is makes contact with the ghost in Milo's brain and starts, I don't know, channeling Zorat or contacting Zorat or opening a portal to Zorat or bad things. Bad things start to happen. Who knows? In a situation where things were already bad. Yeah. Uh, imagine been... if that would have happened before you all got the core out. Oof. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. did do that. That's important. Yeah, true. You did <laughs> accomplish Milo the did mission. It, it did happen. To teleport the core out. But before we could get away, we infected whatever that machine is with Zorat. And something terrible happened with Slaughter beginning to get, I don't know. I don't know. But head elongated and yeah. Hura disappeared. And you said limbs? elongated as well like fingers elongated into claws and they had like okay. tendrils coming off of their back with like spikes and but i am i do remember that their gura is gone now which is an interesting yes. development along mm-hmm. with their head yeah, that's weird bit. yeah there's a lot to unpack from the last <sighs> handful of sessions that we played it has been a really fun it's always fun but it's been burdensome. <laughs> like it's a, <laughs> There's a lot of things going on right now. And I know that is obviously because we are building towards things. But holy crap, there's so much to unpack. Like we really need a group debrief time. I see. I was thinking about that. maybe a yell at each other time. And I don't know what we would do with a debrief time because 
I don't know that we can find answers to any of the crap that we have. Ju- I mean, like none of us, maybe, maybe Milo does. None of us know where that mind player came from. At least, like none of us know that was caused by Randy's magic. And thank goodness, because Eris already <laughs> has a chip on her shoulder about that. Yeah, that's true. You might, Eris might stop hanging out with Milo. Eris might be like, this, <laughs> I am done. Eris might suggest the trip to the Dreadhold and say, perhaps we leave Milo when we, we make a trade. <laughs> Just make a swap. Yeah. <laughs> like Armageddon, somebody's got to stay behind. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Only this time it's not a volunteer. Nope, Milo, um, get in the cell. Stay there. We'll send you. We don't have any idea what went down with Slaughter other than clue. whatever that machine's magic was did something. Whatever. We don't know why the machine started mutating Hob. And whether Hobbs going to continue mutating. That is a that is something I think Eric and I have to talk about because we haven't no. really. Maybe. I've held on to the last mutation as of right now, but that's just because it's immediately after it happened. Like it didn't I, yeah. end with the session, but that's all I know. And I need to re-listen to remember what the last mutation was. Uh, I suppose we technically succeeded. Like we stole the core and we wrecked the place. Mm-hmm. So... They shouldn't be able to do what they right. were going to do. Sigil and their cohort are yeah. out of that social particular club. danger for right now. <laughs> yeah. The Sigil Social Club? Yeah. Reading reading group. Yeah. <laughs> it's a supper club. Yeah. I think we succeeded in the mission, mm-hmm. but so many things happened in the course of succeeding in the mission. Yeah that I just don't know that we can do anything about. Like the only thing that I really understand entirely about what happened is that we left the Fletcher behind. Yeah. We need to talk about that. That's not one of those ones that we can hand wave with a story point It is way too consequential. Trevor made a joke about it, but we're not, I don't remember if we made it the edit or not, but we are not be doing that. The Fletcher is gone or another quest. (laughs) Right. That's where it's at. Right. Yeah. I remember some minutes before thinking trying to allocate like it was obvious we had the countdown going and everything and i was sitting there trying to allocate my actions and every turn i was trying to allocate an action to grab the fletcher Mm -hmm. like just to get over to it and get a maneuver in to grab the fletcher but everything was so wild and so dire and so urgent there were just no actions to give. To spare, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Economy of it all didn't work. And that's, um, I'll admit, I for, unless you mentioned the Fletcher, I forgot I was holding it. I shouldn't have. That <laughs> ultimately yeah. important. Then the way, and then Eris left under the effect of fear. And so Eris didn't even have the option in her exit to do anything except run. Because we left, because she left under the influence of the failed discipline check when, I don't remember exactly what, it was something to do with the magic of Zorat in the machine, right? The, or was there something? A giant remind me. portal to Zorat opening up on the wall. Yes, that's what that was. Mm. Yeah, so Eris failed that check, and so she had to just book it out the hole that we had in the wall now. So it wasn't even the sort of thing where it's just, oh, I just forgot to say I grab it on the way out. There's, I can't say that yeah, because right. that wasn't a mechanical option under the in the circumstances so yeah we left the fletcher behind what if instead of a debrief we just get together to cry for a while <laughs> just get cry i'm sex. totally yeah. down for a hey let's just go get drunk at the four sales yeah 
episode. I think that would be hilarious. Maybe um, it's, it's less and constructive and more cathartic is what we need. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a really... Like, I'm so excited that we get to play together. It's going to be such a maudlin way to start. We haven't played in person in several months now, for the listener. I know you guys know that. To get together <laughs> and like hopefully have some lunch and catch up and then be like, all right, let's all let's get bummed out together for a while. Yeah. It's going to be a blast because it always yeah. is. Okay, that is the episode. I'm sure I forgot to bring things up and I apologize. But we have one question in the in the Discord. This one question is from Ophelia in the Discord and they ask uh, what other D&D settings do you all enjoy? Any edition. I would love to hear about things that aren't Eberron. I'm sorry we keep telling you about Eberron. I uh, don't imagine that's the no, tone I, they were into. No, no, no. I, can, I know. Ophelia's um, been on the Discord for a long time and is super cool. <laughs> yes. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> for me personally, I... There aren't any other D&D created settings that I really enjoy, being perfectly honest. I haven't played in a whole lot of them, but I really like Galarian, the Pathfinder setting. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that setting. Obviously, in terms of just tabletop role-playing game settings, love the Star Wars RPG. So I like the Star Wars tabletop role-playing game, if that counts. If it's um, any addition, there was a Wizards of the Coast produced <laughs> D20 Star Wars setting. That's fair. So. That's very true. And I also like the Theros setting in the 5th edition Theros oh, yeah. book, which is technically a Magic the Gathering setting. Uh, to answer your question, Ophelia, none. I enjoy <laughs> no other D&D settings, but there's plenty of other tabletop role-playing game settings I like. Specifically D&D settings, I really liked the the Nintir Vale setting mm. from 4th edition. I liked the base setting of 4th edition. It was, I don't know if they ever gave the whole world a name. There was a name for the continent. It was Nerath, and the local setting was the Nintir Vale. But it was designed, I think primarily by Chris Perkins, as a points of light setting where the idea was you have little pieces of civilization, points of light, that are islands in this vast territory of dangerous wilderness in between. And I really liked that <clears throat> because it's a wonderful starting point for a and d campaign because your players, if your players are from Sharn, you got this constant sort of thing of what do I know about? You would know and then list yeah. all the off the stuff about the Brelish monarchy and its constitutional system mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff that every citizen of Brelin would know. But if you're playing in the interior veil setting and you start off in the town of, I, turn around, I think the base town is like Fallcrest or something like that, you know that town. And maybe yeah, you've you know about heard of some places a long way away, but you've never been more than a couple days out of town. It just, it really does a good job of creating a limited field that you can gradually build out the scale of. And it was also left with big giant like geographic and lore gaps with the intention that this was built as a setting to just hand to a new GM. And when you're ready, start filling those spaces with your stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to build a D&D &D setting is give it a very loose sketch and then let your player, <clears throat> let your GM players fill in what's there. So I really liked that. 
I've never really loved the Forgotten Realms. I also like Galarian from Pathfinder. I like Dark Sun in Doses. It's an interesting setting, the sort of wild and wacky way in which it plays with the fantasy tropes is fun. The crazy tribes of cannibal halflings and weird things like that. I'm playing in a game right now, monthly GM'd by our wonderful patron and documenter, Laura. And Laura has really landed Dark Sun on exactly the right setting I like. We don't track our day's worth of water. We don't worry about rations. We don't make it a bookkeeping exercise to see whether or not we starve to death in the desert. But otherwise, the setting is as is. And and I like that. So I don't love it as a survival game, but it's a fun, weird, sort of John Carter of Mars feeling setting to it. Yeah. Outside of D&D, Galarian I like. Theros seems cool. I haven't gotten to play in it or anything, but it seems neat. I also liked when they were doing like the little porting magic settings over to D. I really liked the Egyptian one, Amonkhet. Yep. I thought that was really neat. Uh, the way that was described, especially they had some really cool player ancestry that had some neat little quirks to them. Middle Earth, like role playing in Middle Earth. I've got the Dune RPG. I haven't gotten a chance to play it. I'll be playing <laughs> it this weekend for my birthday. So that'll be cool. But a lot of like real world can't settings that are not real world, real IPs that I think it'd be fun to play in, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, that's my long rambling answer. <laughs> I think it goes without saying, but I will say it, that the greatest RPG setting ever devised is Pineville, Wisconsin from the Kids on Bikes <laughs> 100%. of this exact podcast. Yep. However, now I've only ever played Eberron, even the first thing I did where Eric ran, was it Horde of the Dungeon, Dragon Queen? Is that right? Yeah. You switched it to Eberron. I have a... I feel a kinship to Spelljammer because it is the most absurd thing that there could be. I think you would really enjoy Spelljammer. I think I would love the license to just say the most ridiculous thing that Spelljammer has. I think I would have to, I think I'd have to GM in Spelljammer because as a player, I still don't want to voice too much ridiculous stuff. But as a GM, I'm like, whatever, (laughs) baby, this is my world. (laughs) And, uh, but as far as outside of D and D, I think Shadowrun is super cool. I've only read a little bit of it, but I think that's really neat. I love the Under the Beanstalk stuff for Genesis. That's a super good time. I've only played in each of those once, but I've read more than I've played, and I think they're both really neat. Yeah, I think I would, in setting agnostic, but a D&D thing we haven't, I haven't played much in, but would love to, is more Feywild stuff. Yeah. Not gotten to really, Eberron being pretty inherently magical kind of touches on that, but I'd love to really play in that space sometime. Yeah. So I think that is mine. I have I have a question for you two. Just something we've never done that might be fun on this shorter episode that actually is a shorter episode for once. Hit the listeners. Let's do two recommendations. Pick any pop culture thing you're into right now, and let's just tell them what we're, what we're vibing on. I think people enjoy that. So I know I enjoy it when I hear it from podcasts I listen to, especially validating when it's something I'm also into. I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay. Miley and I just wrapped up Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon Prime. Very good TV show, especially if you're into the 70s rock. It's like a pop culture touchstone, Fleetwood Mac, that kind of thing. Very well done TV show and story. And then I'm trying to think of what else I'm consuming right now. I'm reading nonfiction right now, so that's not very fun or interesting to talk about. You all go and I'll think about something else. I have been listening to, I've listened to the first two couple books of the Expanse series recently and really enjoyed 
those. I've watched the whole series, but I really enjoyed the book so far. It's a lot of interesting differences, but it's very cool. I'm about to start the third season of Ted Lasso finally. And Oh shoot, a new episode came out last night. I have something to do this evening. <laughs> <laughs> and then I am reading currently A Long Way Down by Nick Hornby. Nice. Uh, which is one of my favorite oh, books. I've not read that in a long so time. So good. It uh, is good. That's the I, I don't want to I think I know. Yeah. I'm the pretty mo- sure I've read that one. The movie's bad though, right? The movie's not very good. Okay. It's not terrible. It's it's got a great <laughs> cast, so they do a fine job with it, but it's it's not a good adaptation. Okay. Fair enough. One of mine would be, and I was late to this party. This is actually fairly old at this point, but Abbott Elementary is one of the best television shows that I've gotten to watch in a long time. Full of heart, extremely funny. If you are a teacher or have ever worked in a school, you will appreciate a lot of it. And then the second one is Ferris has been really getting into comic books lately. So we've been going. Nice. We've got, he's got his own little pull list now at the local shop with a couple of titles on it. But the last time we were traveling, we stopped into a very big comic shop. And I found it, okay, this is tonally the complete opposite of Abbott Elementary. It is a horror anthology comic book that is not pleasant. I'm recommending it because it's beautifully drawn and it's really compelling. But if you, it's dark. It's called The Ice Cream Man. It's, it is a, it's a story. It's a story about a supernatural ice cream man who goes town to town and affects the people's lives. And it is dark. But man, it's really well written. So I think that's my other, I don't know if that's my recommendation, but it's definitely something I've been enjoying (laughs) lately. (laughs) My second one, I was in the realm of like TV and movies and books. I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 lately and engaging with the Mm -hmm. stories and DLCs that I hadn't done over the course of the past like two years. And I'm very much enjoying those stories. Yeah, I will say because now I'm concerned about it. I have only read the first two issues of Ice Cream Man. I have no <laughs> idea where it goes. I've enjoyed the first two issues. I'm waiting on the third one to get here. They've got eight volumes. It's older as well. But anyway, Brian K. Vaughn said he liked it, so I picked it up. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, that is it. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with another new arc beginning. Those of you that are going to Gamer Nation Con, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And it's very exciting. I And... That is all. Until next time, I have been Jeff. I'm Philip. And I'm Eric. Thank you for letting us podcast at you. Bye.